gospel. So there's a minister. This pastor is building a trellis for his garden. And he's out there hammering away, sawing away, doing his thing. And he notices that a little boy is watching him. Pastor's going ahead and just building his trellis and getting his ready for his garden. And this little boy is just standing there watching him. And the little boy won't go away. He's, he's thinking if I ignore him, eventually he'll get bored enough that he'll just go away. The little boy does not go away. Pastor continues to work. So, son, trying to pick up some tips on gardening maybe this morning? The little boy looks at the pastor and says, Nope. I just want to see what a pastor says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> We're talking about holiness today. We're talking about holiness. Being holy as God is holy. The word holy is thrown around a lot, right? Harry Carey, holy cow. Look at the sombrero on that kid. I remember him saying that once during a Cubs game. Um, Holy Toledo. Holy mackerel. Or worse. We talk about somebody who is uh, really religious. Being a, a holy Joe. Or a holy roller. Those holy rollers. We talk about someone who is self-righteous, extremely self-righteous, as thinking that they are holier than thou. We use the word holy a lot. We use it in many different ways. Some good, some not so good. This word holy is an interesting one. This word holy is, is a word that I think we get confused on exactly what it means. What does it mean to be a holy person? What does it mean to live a holy life? How can we be holy people without being weird? Right? Because sometimes we think, you know, the holier you are, the weirder you get. And nobody wants to be a Jesus freak. Right? So, we're talking about this idea of basic. We're talking about 1st and 2nd Peter here at the beginning of 2013. And we're talking about the basics of faith. The basics of what we believe. Peter was writing to a people who had just recently heard the gospel. In the area of Asia Minor. Which is modern day Turkey. And so he's writing to these Christians in the first century. And he's talking about the basics of faith. The basics of grace. That's what we talked about last week. The basics of our faith in Jesus Christ as we looked at the first 12 verses of 1 Peter. Today we're going to look at the next passage. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 21. As we talk about four keys to holy living. Four keys to holiness. To living a holy life. And what it means to live a holy life. There are four commands that Peter gives before giving the great big command of this passage. And so we're talking about these four keys, these four commands today of living a holy life. Now, you may think to yourself, there is no way 
No one, I, I know how I live. I know the things I say. I know the things I do. I know the thoughts I think. I know that there is no way that anyone would ever consider me to be holy. There is there's just, uh, I, we live, I think a lot of us live with this kind of guilt, this holy guilt of, I'm not a good person. I, I don't do the things that I should, and I do the things that I shouldn't. Am I alone in this? I hope not. But we all have this kind of guilt that we carry around with us a little bit, and, and we think, I'm, I'm just, I just don't measure up. And, and the idea of being holy seems so foreign and, and so out there that it's like there's just no way that I could ever be. I just sin way too much. I sin too much, and I tell you what, you're not alone. Okay, you're not alone in, in this feeling uh, that it's hard to be holy. There's a reason why Peter wrote what he wrote. It's because he knew that the people he was writing to, they were not holy. They needed to be reminded to be holy. They needed to be given some steps to take, some keys to holiness. Because after all, if they were living holy lives, Peter wouldn't have to say, be holy, right? Kind of stands to reason. If you're going to tell somebody to do something, it's because they're not doing it. When I tell my son, stop. It's because he's doing something he's not supposed to be doing. Or I tell him, clean your room. It's because he's not cleaning his room. So he's reminding them that they need to be holy. Because they were not holy. And the same thing goes for us. We are not holy most of the time. And we have to be reminded. So, but Peter doesn't just say, be holy, and leave them to try and figure out what it is they were supposed to do. He doesn't just say, okay, be holy... And good luck with that. Rather, he says, be holy. I'm going to give you four steps. I'm going to give you four keys to being holy. So if you'll grab a Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13. And we're going to go very slow here at the beginning. Then we're going to kind of rush through the end. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And we're going to talk about these four keys to holiness. If you would turn to the back page of your bulletin, you can follow along on the handy-dandy outline, as we usually do. The handy-dandy outline is there for your edification. The first key to holiness is to prepare your minds. Prepare your minds. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, the first part of verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Now, you see that word, therefore. I remember being a kid at the First Christian Church of Crown Point, Indiana, on a Sunday night for a Sunday night service, and somebody was given a message, and they said, you see that word, therefore, and you wonder... What is it there for? It's a linking word. It is a word that links today's passage with last week's passage. Therefore, because since last week, then you're going to do this week. Now, last week we talked about the basics of faith. We talked about how we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, we talked about the basics of faith. We talked about the basics of salvation um, and so, therefore, because of that, because you are saved by God's grace, do this. And the first thing that we do is we prepare our minds for action. We have to respond in this way. And the response is to be holy. And how do we be holy? The first way to do that is to prepare your minds for action. Now, the Greek word for this concept of preparing your mind for action literally goes back to this idea of running into battle. 
In those days, you had kind of uh, several different garments on at the same time. You had a long robe, and then you had like a tunic on over the robe, and, and you had a, a belt and things like that. And so when you were going to run into battle, if you were going to rush into battle to prepare yourself, you would need to cinch up your belt nice and tight because you don't want this whole flowing thing out there. And so you would cinch up your belt nice and tight. You would gather up your robe and tuck it into your belt so that that way you didn't have, you know, this robe around your ankles and tripping and falling and things like that. That's one of the worst things that could possibly happen if you're running into battle. And so you would cinch up your belt, you would gather up your robe, and then you would run into battle. So you needed to prepare yourself in order to run into battle. And that's what Peter is saying, is that we need to prepare ourselves, we need to prepare our minds for action. And that action is to be holy as God is holy. One commentator wrote, I. Howard Marshall is a commentator, and he wrote, um, this idea, prepare your mind for action, is the idea of, of taking your sleeves and rolling them up right? When you're going to get down to the hard work, that's what he said. It's, it's about taking your sleeves, rolling them up and getting down to the hard work. Because you know what? Holiness is hard work. Holiness is hard. It's not easy. So you got to prepare your mind for action. You got to get ready to be holy. You got to prepare yourself. Like I said, you got to roll up your sleeves and get down to the hard work. You know, it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to be unholy. You just kind of do whatever you feel like. It's easier to go with the flow and to do what everyone else is doing. It's hard work to do the right thing when everyone around you is doing the wrong thing. You know, take a few extra minutes for lunch. It's no big deal. It's not a big deal. Everybody does it. Taking office supplies from the, from the office. It's not a big deal. So what do you take a stapler home? So if you take a few extra paper clips, you need them at home, right? It's not a big deal. Maybe you, um, you know, got a little girlfriend on the side. No one's going to know. Or you're addicted to internet pornography. It's, it's a, a, a victimless crime. It's, it's not a big deal. No one knows. Everybody kind of does it. It's not a big deal. You know, uh, Getting drunk, every, just every once in a while, it's, it's not a big deal. You know, just get drunk every once in a while or smoke a little pot, not a big deal. Everybody cheats on their test at school. Everybody cheats. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a very big deal. Because when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to living a holy life, that means we've got to do the hard work of going against the flow, not doing what everybody else is doing, not giving in to sin like everyone else is giving in to sin. We've got to do the right thing. It's about character. It's about integrity. It's about when everybody else is doing the wrong thing, doing the right thing. It's about even if no one else is watching, even if no one else sees you, pocket that stapler. And you think, it's just a stapler for crying out loud, right? No, it's stealing. It's unholy. It is not proper for God's people to do unholy things. It is not holy. They're going to say, I'm a goody two-shoes, right? Don't be such a goody two-shoes. Don't be all holier than thou. We talked about that one earlier. We're called to be holy as God is holy. And the battle to be holy starts in the mind. Preparing our minds for action. 
And the action that we are called to do is to be holy, to do the right thing, to live with character, to live integrity. We have to make up our minds beforehand. We have to make up our minds and say, this is how I'm going to live. We have to draw the line in the sand. That's the line I will not cross. That's the line of holiness. I will not cross into unholy life, into unholy living. I will live a life of holiness. I will draw that line in the sand. And if you want some advice, take about five steps back. Because when you see that line, it's easier to go, well, you know, it's just a little step over the line. Ooh, that's not so bad. Next thing you know, you are full-fledged, unholy living. Draw a line in the sand. That's the line of holiness. I'm not going to cross that line. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to live a life of character. I'm going to live a life of integrity. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what. No matter what everybody else is doing. Remember what your mom always told you? Everybody else jumps off a bridge. You going to jump with them? How many of you ever said, well, yeah, I think I would? No. Depends on what's on the bottom. If it's a giant pillow, maybe. We have to prepare our minds for action, to prepare our minds for holiness. The second key is to be self-controlled. Look at the next, and, and that's all it is, the, the very next phrase, be self-controlled. One commentator said that it's about being well-balanced. The original Greek for this idea of being self-controlled was to, be, to not be intoxicated, to not be given over to drunkenness. But it means so much more than just about drinking alcohol or to excess. It has more to do with that. Um, same commentator said it is about complete clarity of mind and it's resulting in good judgment. It's about making holy choices and making holy decisions. And again, this starts in the mind. It starts with being intentional about holiness. Saying, I will be holy. I will do this. One does not accidentally trip into holiness. Okay, it's, being holy is not an accident. It's not just, oh, well, I guess I'm holy. How did that happen? It starts in the mind. Preparing your mind for action. Being self-controlled. Being in control of oneself. Preparing your mind and keeping your focus on Jesus Christ. The title of this sermon is, uh, comes from a book that was written almost 300 years ago by a man named William Law. And he was an English minister. And, and today's sermon title is A Sincere Plea for Holy Living. And it comes, like I said, from this book that was written almost 300 years ago. And this, the name of that book was A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. And I started reading this book this week. And I tell you what, it is a tough read because they don't speak. They didn't speak the, the way that we speak 300 years ago in England. Okay, it's, it's completely different. So you've got to get your dictionary out and, and try and figure out what all those words mean. Um, but it's worth it. And it's a really good book. And the reason that William Law wrote this book was because he noticed that there was a difference. That, or actually, he noticed that there was no difference. That there were people who went to church on Sunday and then they left their faith at the church building and they didn't live it out the rest of the week. They were living like everybody else. They did what everybody else did. They went where everybody else went. They said what everybody else said. In other words, there was no consistency between what they did on Sunday morning and what they did the rest of the week. Now, how many of you have ever heard of that? Do people do that today? Not much has changed in 300 years, has it? It's that same idea 
that was going on. So we're in good company. You know, you may look at the past and go, wow, they, had, they didn't have all the distractions that we have. They didn't have all the, the things to tempt them that we have. Apparently they did. Because 300 years ago, an English minister said, we need to call people to live a, a devout and holy life. We need to call people to live for Jesus. You know, there has to be more of a difference in the way we live than just the fact that we get up early on a Sunday morning and come here. There's got to be a bigger difference in our lives than the fact that we have a, a habit of coming to First Christian Church on Sunday mornings. There's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be more to it than that. We can't be a people who goes to church on Sunday and then live like the world the rest of the week. You know, we are, we're not enough like Jesus. And I think everyone here would say, yeah, you're right, I'm not. I'm not enough like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. If you're like me, then you want to be more like Jesus. Now, don't be like Sean. Be like Jesus. Somebody once told me, it's like, you're our example. No, I'm not. (laughs) No, I am not your example. Jesus is our example. We're on the same level here. I mean, I'm, I'm a little, I'm maybe three and a half feet higher than you right now. But when it comes to our lives on a daily basis, we're on the same plane. We're on the same level. We're living the, you know, and it, our model, our example is Jesus. And he is the one that we need to be like. We need to be like Christ. And so when it comes to living like the world and, and, and living like Jesus, we may think to ourselves, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm doomed. I, I, I'm not good enough. And you're right. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. We can't be good enough. We can't act good enough. We can't say the right things enough. We can't, we can't make up for our sin. There is no balance to the scales. And you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not. You know what? There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do about it. We are going to do something about it. We are going to do something about it. We're going to make a, a holy choice. We're going to make a holy decisions. One at a time. That in the face of temptation, in the face of trial, we're going to make the decision to do the right thing. We are going to be self-controlled. And it takes place one decision at a time. To make a holy decision, a holy choice. I will live my life for Jesus Every day. I will live my life for Jesus every day. Say it with me. I will live my life for Jesus every day. Now, how many of you meant that? <laughs> we mean it. We want it. We want it. I, I, if you're like me, I know you want it. You want to live for Jesus every day. And it ain't easy. But the good news is we're not alone in this. Okay, the good news is that, that God didn't just say, okay, you know, good luck. He didn't say that. He says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to put my Spirit in you. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to make you a holy people. That through the power of God's Spirit, working within us, changing us, sanctifying us, making us holy, making us different... It's about surrendering to the Holy Spirit, submitting to the Holy Spirit and saying, Okay, I'm not going to fight you anymore, God. When I feel that prompting come along, when I'm given that choice, do the right thing, do the wrong thing, and the, the Holy Spirit says, do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to surrender to that. I'm going to submit to that. I'm not going to say, well, I know what the right thing to do is, but I want to do this. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to make that choice. I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to prepare my, my mind for action. With God's help and by God's grace, I will be holy. I'm going to do it. 
And it's making that decision, making that choice one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'll be holy tomorrow. No, be holy today. Well, I'll be holy this afternoon. Be holy now. I'll be holy in an hour. Be holy now. I'm going to do it now, making that decision one day. It may be one minute at a time. But the more you do it, the more those holy habits begin to form. It becomes easier to say no to the things we should say no to and yes to the things we should say yes to. And when we fall short, and we're still going to fall short, we're still going to miss the mark, we're still going to be messing up and making unholy choices and unwise decisions, and when we do, God's grace makes up the difference. And He pours it out, and He pours out His grace, and He pours out His love, and He forgives us time and again, and gives us those second, and third, and fourth, and on, and on, and on. All those chances over and over and over again. Praise be his holy name. The third key to holiness is to set your hope on grace. What I just said. It's about setting your hope on grace. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, the third part of the verse says, Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Here's the good thing about grace, okay? It, it not only brings us God's unmerited favor now, and that we are forgiven now for the sins that we commit now, but there is more grace to come. Did you catch what he said there? There's more grace to, be, to come. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. When Jesus Christ comes back, there is more grace coming with him. How cool is that? We have not exhausted the limits of God's grace. There's more grace to come. And when Jesus comes back, the Bible promises us that there will be more grace. That through the power of the Holy Spirit will be changed. But, and the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and makes us holy. Now, it's not completely up to us to be holy now. But God gives us the strength and the power to be holy now. In the power of His grace now, but there's more grace to come. There will be more grace when, he, when Jesus returns. And we are to set our hope on that grace. Now, do you remember what I've told you before about the word hope? What does it mean? A confident expectation. It is, our hope is a confident expectation that when Jesus Christ returns, He will bring more grace. And in that grace, and this is good, okay? This is great. In that grace, we find out, we discover that when He returns, there will be, there will be what? There will be no more pain. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more sin. There will be no more tests or trials or tribulations. How many of you got back pain? My wife has back pain. I have more pain now than I used to have. I feel it every morning when I get out of bed. It's like I'm going to turn 40 this year or something. When did this happen? Two years ago, I felt like I was 25. Last year, I felt like I was 35. Now I start to feel like I'm 45. Wait a minute. It's like somebody pushed a, a snowball over a hill, and it's just picking up speed. Does it get any better? Oh, man. It's got to get better, right? It does get better. Because when Jesus Christ comes and that grace is revealed, that grace on which we set our hope, no more pain, no more heartache, no more trials, tests, tears, no more sin, 
No more tribulation. But when Jesus Christ comes back and that grace is revealed, that is what our hope is in. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the grace that we receive now, the grace that we will receive then. It's not about us. It's not about our good deeds. It's not about our righteousness. It's about the righteousness of Christ and how we are covered in his precious blood. That's a phrase we're going to look at in just a second, that this idea that Jesus' blood is precious because it is poured out on us. And the Bible says in Galatians that when we are baptized, we are clothed with Christ. We are covered in Christ. We are covered in his blood. We are covered in Jesus So that when God looks at you, if you put your faith and trust in Christ and you've been baptized and your sins are forgiven, when when God sees you, he does not see you. He sees who? He sees Jesus. See, who does he see? He sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus because you've been covered in his blood. You have been clothed with Christ. His righteousness is your righteousness. But I'm not a righteous person. But you are covered by a righteous Savior. And that is awesome. That is this hope that we have. That is this wonderful hope that because of Jesus and the fact that he shed his blood on that cross, that all of our sins are forgiven. And we have hope. And we put our hope in that grace that covers us. The fourth key is found in verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Obey the Father. That's the fourth key, is to obey the Father. We are God's children. We are called by God to be His children. We are called to be what kind of children? Obedient children. Jesus said, if we love Him, we will obey His commandments. If we love Him, we will obey His commandments. Now, how can we obey His commandments? We've got to know what they are, right? I'm going to put a plug in for Bible study. Okay? I want you to get involved in a Bible study. We have a goal this year. The elders and I have a goal this year to get more people involved in Bible study. We want to get more people involved in Bible study. And, and I mentioned it earlier, we've got a new Bible study starting up a week from Monday, a week from tomorrow, January 21st, through the book of 1 Corinthians. It's going to be a great study. We want you to get involved. Come and join in the fun of Bible study on Monday nights at 6.30, Bible study and prayer. It's a good, it's a good study, good teachers. And you're going to learn a lot. You're going to grow in your faith, and you're going to grow, and you're going to love Jesus more. When you start studying his word. And we've got a women's Bible study that meets on Wednesday mornings at 9.30 led by Peggy. She'd love to have you. Um, So ladies, if you're free at 9.30 on Wednesday mornings, come to Bible study here at the church building. They make coffee every week, right? And they have goodies. We're going to start a men's study in February. We're going to start a Saturday morning men's breakfast and Bible study. It's going to come up at the end of February. We'll give you more information on that soon. We want you to get involved in a Bible study. We're going to provide more study opportunities throughout the year so that you can come and get involved in a Bible study and learn your Bible. Because when we learn the Bible, we learn God's Word. And when we learn God's Word, we understand God's expectations of us and how He would have us live. That we can learn His commands and we can follow His commands and learn to please the Father rather than just living to please ourselves. So I want you to really consider, okay, this is the year... 2013 this is the year I'm going to get involved in a Bible study. 
And like I said, we'll give you more opportunities as the year goes on. But right now, we got those three oppor- we're going to have those three opportunities. Monday nights, Wednesday mornings, and then if you're a guy, Saturday mornings coming up in February. We'll give you more information. But we cannot be holy children if we don't know God's expectations of what holiness looks like. Peter says, do not conform to those evil desires. Do not conform to those evil desires, but rather be holy as God is holy. How many of you know what an ermine is? I'm going to show you a picture of an ermine. Okay, that's an ermine. It says the ermine as as if it was the only one, but it's not the only one. There's lots of them. It's funny. It looks very cute, right? It's a weasel. It lives in North America and Eurasia. It's a cute little guy. Weighs between 9 and 13 ounces. They're not endangered, but they are, well, they used to be killed for their fur. Aww. The ermine is very special. In the wintertime, its coat turns white like this so that it cannot be seen. It's camouflaged in the snow. Now, the ermine is very protective of its white coat, of its white fur. In fact, hunters, trappers who try to get the ermine, who try to trap it, don't even set a trap because they know something about the ermine. The ermine refuses to get dirty and grimy. So what they do, what hunters and trappers do, is they go and they find a den for the ermine and they take grime and grease and they coat the outside of its burrow with grease. Then they set their dogs loose. And the dogs chase the ermine, and the ermine says, i got to get home. The ermine runs to its den, and then it sees that it has a problem. Because the ermine won't go inside, because he doesn't want to get dirty. He doesn't want to ruin that pure white coat. Unfortunately for the ermine, (laughs) purity is better than life. Now, the Greek word for holy doesn't mean perfect. And that's good. Because God calls us to be holy as he is holy. But what it does mean is it means to be separate. It means to be set apart. It means to be special. It's like Grandma's Fine China. How many of you have Grandma's Fine China at your house? Anybody got Grandma's Fine China? When do you use Grandma's Fine China? Like Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? You don't go home and just, you know, go to the drive-thru, get a Big Mac and some fries, go home, slap it on Grandma's Fine China, right? You don't eat garbage off of Grandma's Fine China. This is good stuff. This is good China. Not the McDonald's. That's not good stuff. But you don't eat that off of Grandma's Fine China. Why? Because Grandma's Fine China is special. You don't eat garbage off of it because it is special. Why does the ermine protect its wife fur? Because it's special. That's what it means to be holy. When God calls us to be holy, he calls us to be separate, to be set apart, to realize how special we are because he has made us that way. Look at, we're going to close with this. Look at verses starting verse 7, yeah, verse um, 15. But just as he who called you is holy, 
So be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. It's a quote from Leviticus. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from that empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious, the special blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Peter reminds his audience that they are what? Special. We are special. We have been saved. God has chosen to save anyone who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Anybody who will put their faith and trust in Christ, who will believe in him and repent from sin and confess him and be baptized. Anyone who does this, anyone who follows his plan of salvation will be saved. He he chose this way before the beginning of the world, before the foundations of the earth were laid. He chose this way. And when we accept Jesus as our savior, he makes us special. You are not ordinary. You are not plain. You are not the same old, same old. You are special. And to be holy is to realize just how special you are. And like Grandma's fine china, or like the ermine, don't settle for ordinary life. Don't settle for the same old, same old. But live as the special and pure way of life that God has called you to live. And he will, he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he will give you hope. And he will give you grace. So that we can be holy as God is holy. Father God, we know that you are holy. We sang songs this morning about how holy you are. That the angels sit around your throne crying out, singing at the top of their lungs, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I pray today that you would help us to be holy, that you would help us to be special and set apart and separate. That we, God, we, we fall short, we miss the mark, we, we sin and we mess up, we know this. And we thank you for your grace that makes up the difference. We thank you for your grace that brings us forgiveness and salvation. But I pray that it would spurn us to action, that we would do the right things and make good choices and good decisions, that we would obey you, that we would obey you and your commands. Help us, God, this week, minute by minute, to be sold out and committed to Jesus, to follow him closely, so that we may be holy. We praise your holy name. Through the blood of your son, Jesus, who makes us holy, we give you praise.